China EVs and more, where my co-host Li Xing and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. What Lei and I discuss today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. If you enjoyed this room, please help us get the word out to other enthusiasts, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li. I am Managing Director at Sinuato Insights, a global management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at sinuatoinsights.com, which of course I encourage you all to do. Good afternoon, Lay. In a cold Michigan, can you please introduce yourself? Good afternoon. Happy Chinese New Year of the Rabbit again, or the Year of the Cat for the Vietnamese community. Yes, the year like <laughs> Mao, Mao, right? Meow. The, this is your co-host Lei Xing, former chief editor of China Auto Review, and this is episode number one hundred two. This is our first episode in the Year of the Rabbit, and also a special Groundhog Day edition. Six more <laughs> weeks of winter <laughs> starting off oh. with the deep freeze uh, this week weekend in my neck of woods. Minus 35 wind chill. That's Fahrenheit. <laughs> that is a ridiculous number. <laughs> yeah, it's going to break some records, I heard. So it's been two weeks already since we last talked. Let me kind of recap the big headlines in my opening monologue. (laughs) There's quite a bit, so bear with me. Maybe I'll spend a couple of minutes on this. Volkswagen Group CEO Oliver Bluma has landed in China. Too simple has become too complex. (laughs) Toyota has a new CEO, and Nissan and Renault have a new cross-shareholding structure. Honda has announced a new fuel cell strategy. The fine print, second half of 2030s. And GM has now full control of Lithium America's Thacker Pass Lithium Project, record-breaking $650 million investment. Our Next Energy has landed a new $300 million investment. Officially a unicorn. ZF and Wolfspeed have created that R&D and production for the fabrication of 200 millimeter silicon carbide semiconductor in Germany. Mercedes has received the level three certification in the state of Nevada. Lightyear has suspended production of the Lightyear Zero and Mm. is in trouble, I think. Following Tesla, Xpeng, Eitel, Leap Motor, GAC Ion, Cherry, Wuling, and now Neo have cut with an asterisk on the word cut prices. Warren Buffett has cut its holdings again in BYD. By like 0.2 or <laughs> 0.3? And BYD and the usual smart EV suspects have announced, shall I say, some resilient, some rather nightmarish January EV sales. <laughs> China has reiterated policies to support vehicle consumption. Xpeng has a new president. Lotus Technology has announced intent to SPAC. Tesla BYD have released pretty good, pretty good earnings, including GM as well. 
huge. Xiaomi has leaked the MS11 EV and find the culprit supplier for RMB 1 million for for uh, leaking those front bumper pictures. <laughs> Tesla has increased Giga Shanghai production to 20,000 a week. Geely Auto has teased a new mid-to-end high-end EV model series. Zeker has previewed their first SUV, perhaps called the 003. And uh, Neil President Li Hong shared some latest product updates, including their phone. BYD has two of its own shipping ships on the way. <laughs> Last but not the least, Beijing has nearly reached herd immunity from COVID. And COVID has been erased, erased from people's vocabulary in China. Where do we begin? <laughs> oh my God. Take a breather. Take a sip of water. That was a long one. Yeah. So sales, obviously, your take, <laughs> mixed bag. That's, that's my initial reaction. Not too surprised because of Chinese New Year and everything, but, you know, I think that, yeah, not, 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 not surprised. The usual suspects were in the top 10. The January numbers I don't really look to as any type of real indication of the strength or weakness of, of the market. So. so know that red panic button from Mr. Tuli yet. Not <laughs> is, yet. Is it's, only January. it's only January. It's only January. I just thought two uh, particular companies, Neo and Liotto, were actually, I think, pretty resilient. If you look at you know 8,500 8, 8, units from Neo. I was actually expecting less. Okay. So I think they, they were actually pretty resilient. The auto, I mean, you know, what can you say? Just continue to surprise people. With, with. The thing about Neo is that if we're looking at year over year, which we probably shouldn't, but they had three products last year this time, and now they have six. So would you actually look at that as still resilient? At 8,500 or? I think I look at not from year on year, but from the recent kind of December, um, what, what they were expect, expecting. That's fair. Right? I mean, if they did 10,000, you know, I would say that's that's out of the ball, ballpark. But they probably hit a double, you know, with this 8,500 units. But I think the important thing to note is the comparison of if we talk about the segmentation and the positioning of Neil. Versus some of the other ones that really had quote unquote nightmarish numbers, those are priced much lower than Neo. So in that perspective, delivering that many vehicles priced above four hundred thousand RMB is is a win. You make a good point because the other top ten, a lot of members of the top ten are on the mass market side, so which we would expect more volume to come from anyways because of the price point. So that, that that's a good point. I mean, Leap Le Motor is, is the most shocking one, I think, considering they were below Ito, they were below Voya, they were below Skyworth. Who the heck is Skyworth, right? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but again, it's it's January. It's only one month. We we shouldn't press the panic button. Yes, we shouldn't <laughs> jump to conclusions. But maybe I take that back. Maybe if you're Leap Motor, <laughs> you should press the panic button because Skyworth beat you. Yeah, right. Uh, so. 
So it'll be interesting <laughs> to, to see uh, what happens, you know, in, in the coming months. And, and again, January versus the previous January, February versus the previous February, because of the Chinese New Year, are not apples to apples. Right. So we look at Q1 together to really make some kind of early conclusion on where this is headed. But February is supposed to be better because it's a full right full month, although there's still two or three less working days. But at the provincial level, they have put money on the hood in certain cities and provinces or extended subsidies, right? Exactly. And this is, you know, we when we talk about January EV sales, we got to talk about these price cuts, right? They're, they're, they're going hand, hand in hand. And, and these, I think a lot of these price cuts, so Tesla is a official price cut, right? But I think some of these other ones are a little bit superficial. So let's say Neo, right? Their inventory 2022 model year, ES6 and ES8, depending on the how many days they were in inventory, you actually get different kind of discount, right? They're just trying to clear it out. Yeah, yeah. So that's typical automotive year-end or model year-end sure, incentives. So had they announced officially price cuts on their NT 2.0 models, now that would be something, right? <laughs> and the because- reason you, you're... You're, you're calling out the price cuts is because those are permanent. Whereas what you're referring to with NEO, it's a just an incentive or a discount. Right, right. And then some of the other ones, I mean, a Wulin Hongwang Mini EV from 32980 to 29A00. I mean, how significant is that, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and then you have others like Cherry, right? They announced lifetime warranty on all of their vehicles. That is just bananas. That is just bananas. Yeah, that's an indirect price cut, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then you have like Volvo. Volvo, what they're doing is if you put down a a, a 5,000 RMB deposit before the end of March, that goes toward a 25,000 RMB equivalent on on the... um, when you, when you pay for the vehicle, I mean, right? That's the 20,000 MMB drop, basically. What all these guys are hoping for is that by the middle of the year, by summertime, the economy recovers, the automotive sector recovers, and they can kind of look past some of these price cuts and demand begins to kind of firm up for their vehicles, right? Because towards the end of this year, there's even more competition. There's Jidu coming. There's Polestar 3 is coming. So the Lotus Elytra is coming. So there's going to be a lot more competition specifically in the premiums, premium space. So, And these price cuts, these sales month on month or year over year drops, they're not all created equal, right? You, you wonder some of these price cuts, are they really in response to the Tesla price cut? Uh, probably not. Because a, a 30,000 MMB Wuling versus a 300,000, 230,000 MMB Tesla, you can't really compare, right? I mean, no. It's, no right. No, so no. It, it's just a matter of, I guess, um, there's some offensive plays, some defensive plays. And that brings us to my post <laughs> and comment earlier, I think, two podcasts ago, where I said that the Tesla 
price cuts in China were defensive and the price cuts in Europe and the United States were offensive. So you disagree. Well, please, no, no, please I, do explain. No, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that statement you just mentioned, but... Okay, I'm glad we agree. <laughs> well, it's good to disagree. Yes, <laughs> it's okay. No, I think what you said uh, in, in the newsletter is, is um, this, this really who dictates whom. Mm. So even though okay, I think that part of yeah, it. I think, yeah, part. I think even though Tesla was a defensive play, you still, what I was thinking is that I think they still dictate who gets to kind of react and act uh, in, in that sense. I think, I think Tesla still dictates this, this um, dynamic. It might not dictate the competition or, or, or competitiveness wise, but look at all these price drops, right? And you know what, Lei? I'm going to agree with you because what I meant with that, and I should have articulated that, there is not one company besides Tesla that can push a market. That's maybe that's B- maybe BYD, maybe BYD. But I'm I yes, you're right. I meant China EV Inc. in coordination with each other can dictate the market to Tesla. So a number of customers or a number of competitors working not alongside each other, but just the sector. It's harder for Tesla to bully them as opposed to in Europe or the United States where the demand for the three and the Y are still fairly robust. You and I, uh, and you in particular, uh, dunk (laughs) on Tesla a lot. We do this. I think we're fair. Yeah, uh, we are. But after their earnings, right, uh, it's, I mean, the amount of power they have, the levers that they have. I think that there's nobody else, even the China EV inks, have that capacity to do stuff that Tesla is doing. And look what happened, right? Ford couldn't hold it anymore. GM said they're not going to do a price cut, but... But they don't really have a vehicle that competes with Tesla right now, so... Exactly. They have 122 lyrics delivered in 2022, right? <laughs> <laughs> And, and and the Bolt EV, UV, I mean, they're pretty cheap, right? Already. 31000 yeah. I looked. Yeah. So, yeah. And and the cost of capital for Tesla is is also much cheaper than the rest of uh, the Legacies and China EV Inc. Because they're still $500 billion company, $400 billion company. Yeah. So, still f- very significant. Yeah. So, you know, even, even when you say it's a defensive play in China, maybe I... I you know, maybe I half agree with you. It's it's kind of a mixed in between, you know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. But the the other reason I say that is because it's not their first price cut. No, and it's not their last. It's not, for sure. So. They are trying to pull that tail out until they can find that model refresh for the Model 3. But even then, will it go far enough? to push out demand for the refresh Model 3 for another year and a half, two years. Because what they need is almost a clean sheet redesign because any small updates might not move the needle from a sales standpoint, especially if it physically doesn't change that much or from a software standpoint, it's not version two of the stack is not a lot better than what's currently being shipped. So. Mm-hmm. 
And then also with the incentives, right? The, the Premier League Challenge, I mean, reiterated that. Shanghai came out with that new incentive, which, right, we mentioned the last episode. Yeah. That these non-subsidy stimulus measures will be coming to a city next to you or where you are, right? Not only Shanghai, to kind of spur uh, purchase. So that was not surprising. And it points to a 2022 that was just off the rails, outrageous from a sales standpoint. And the difficulty of keeping that up in 2023 with so many different variables it seems every one of these companies that has a relatively low volume base are looking to double sales. So case in point, Zika, right? Zika, they, it's officially announcing their target is 140,000 deliveries. And uh, they did just over 3,000 in January. So they have a long way to go. But oh. when is the <laughs> Zika 009 launching? It's already launched. So it started the oh, yeah, deliveries okay. in mid-January. Um, I think okay, that's right. small that's volumes, right. but but that's not that's not going to be a high runner, right? Yeah, but look at uh, Denza, the Denza uh, D nine. Is it? it? They did over six thousand units, more than Leap Motor. <laughs> <laughs> For those wondering, Denza was a joint venture between Merck and BYD, and I think BYD's kind of taken it over. So, so I think Zeker is looking very much forward to the zero zero nine being not a high runner, but at least a significant contributor to their sales yes. increase. Probably like a one and a half, one and a half to one point seven to one kind of right. thing. Right, and that zero zero three rumored SUV won't be launched or delivered you know, until the second half of this year. So, so zero zero one is still going to take a majority of their sales. But hey, let, let's quickly move on because I'm I'm being selfish here. I don't know that much about Xpeng's new president. Can you give us a little background on that? Uh sh- that the that woman who spent 30 years at Great Leap or a Great Wall? Uh Great Wall Motor. I mean, yeah, he's the only person I will compare her with is uh An Song Hui, which is the longtime GD Auto. He used to be the GD Auto CEO and now he's the Zeker. CEO. So his name is Andy. I mean, he's a lifer, Geely. And Wang is a lifer, a great wall motor. And he, she is a strategy guru in the sense that when she kind of left great wall last year, she came out with this report with this uh, strategy consulting company list. And they listed all the kind of smart EV startups, EV companies, and, and in that report, the comment on Xbone was Xbone was missing a kind of a, a distinctive, you know, when you talk about Xbone, the brand positioning, the products positioning. So I think this is an area where Wang may be helping Xbone to, to kind of uh, re-strategize a little bit right. on the positioning. And, you know, just a matter of the legacies needs the tech companies, whereas the tech companies now needs legacy experience. Yes. I wanted to emphasize that because we are moving into the traditional automotive phase of our program and ramping, manufacturing, product planning. We've seen a lot of missteps from the EV startups in the United States, in China as well, a Rivian, a Lucid. They're not able to ramp very well. And we're only talking 
production units in the tens of thousands, right? So, so this woman is able and has experience with production numbers in the hundreds of thousands. And so this should really help Xpeng. Yeah, this is also interesting because China and globally, if we're talking about representation or, or diversity, lack this kind of a female number one or number two leadership. I, th- I think this is the only one that I can think of, a really prominent person being uh, in, into this uh, position. So that's in itself is pretty significant as well. And I'm not sure the... Uh, I, th- I think, let me, let me yeah. comment on that. I think Asian culture in general doesn't prioritize equality le- that way. Not, not just China, right, not right, just China. Right. You know, Japan, South Korea, things like that. So, yes, and I think it's significant that they, they hired her. Yeah, uh, you have, what, Mary Barr, right, as GM, and now you have Wang Feng as at Xpeng. And the other person I, I could think of that I feel is similar to her is Tom Drew from Tesla. Uh, in the yeah. sense of low-key, you don't hear too much about her. Um, she just, you know... Operationally, Ninja. she's the person behind <laughs> Jack Way, the chairman, right? Behind the scenes, really making it work. But I, I don't know, to be honest, that, that this, you know, how it's too early to say that this will be a good hire. I, I agree. I mean, Great, Great Wall Motor, they're pretty self-innovative, right? They launched all these brands, which I think is something Wong Wong might do, you know, kind of maybe is Xpeng thinking of different brands, tiered brands? Who knows? Well, they're going to be, they originally planned to launch one refreshed product and two new products this year, and they've upped that to five. Yeah. So they're going to be very busy with trying to work through all of that complexity and create distinct positioning for each of those products in the market. So maybe she's going to be a very important asset in helping them do that. And and like, you know, Elon Elon and and Tom, Tom Drew, I feel almost that Ho Xiaopeng, he needs to relieve some of his kind of responsibilities on on the operational side of things to Wang so that, you know, he's still the CEO, right? Yeah, by title or by not, he's de facto CEO, and I'm referring to, to to Elon. But I did speak with a journalist today about Tesla and their operations, and she did ask me about Tom Zhu. And the thing that the Elon-Tom Zhu situation relationship and that hierarchy reminded me of, and this will kind of indicate how old I am, which I'm very old, it reminded me of Steve hiring Tim Cook. Because Tim was... I agree, 100%. Tim was the operational ninja. He came from Compaq, I think. And Tim was silent. He let Steve do all the talking, the showman. And so... Exactly. This is the same with Wang and Hu, almost. And and it's important for Tesla because they've reached this inflection point. They're building in four countries. And although... They're anchored in Shanghai. Let's not kid ourselves. They're not anchored in the United States. They're anchored in Shanghai. And the flexibility that Shanghai would have created had they launched new products, refreshed products, 
would have allowed them to be even more aggressive in the market. But it's actually a bit of a weight on Tesla right now because they need to cut prices in order to maintain a certain level of utilization for the Shanghai Giga, right? And that won't last forever, as you pointed out in the newsletter. Yeah, and they pushed out moving to 2 million units, right? So, because remember, and and you know this, I'm just reminding the audience, originally, they were going to build another gigafactory right next door to Shanghai Gigafactory that was going to be another million units. And that was supposed to start being built last year. And they decided to push that out because guess what? The Model 3 and the Model Y will not take 2 million units of sales in China in its current form. So, so yeah. So speaking of Xpeng, um, you know, the, the big three this year, based on that late post auto article, combined 750,000 units target in deliveries. So Neo, Xpeng, and uh, Li Auto. Yeah. And, and all of their product lineup are now set for 2023. We know, yep. right? Um, it's already, you know, been announced. So a huge year again, and in, in, in terms of these uh, new new launches and 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 this, you know, just the big three, these three companies, U.S. listed, big three. Yeah, I still need to see Neo get out of the operational woods. Right, that still hasn't happened. We, we're still waiting for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, and. I'm hoping that a slow January and a slow February allows them to kind of get it all aligned. And so coming out of March and April, they they shoot out like a rocket. I mean, they have so much going on, right? Based on the, what Lee Hong revealed at that user meetup. Second brand to be starting deliveries next year. Third brand debuting next year. ED5 shooting break. Neo phone. Supposedly to launch right before the National Day holidays. Uh, They're trying to set the pace in the premium space, right? So, you know, we talked about Lotus Technology IPO. Zeker is IPOing. Zeker is launching in Europe. Zeker is supposed to launch that OTA of the supervision, and they're supposed to launch that level four consumer vehicle in 2024 with Mobileye. Yeah. And if we look at Li Shufu's babies that have IPO, right? Volvo, Polestar. Ecar X, Zeker, and Lotus Tech, <laughs> and all going up in, in, in this kind of climate, right? As we know, the too simple climate. <laughs> so somebody had asked me about Lotus a couple of days ago, and I looked up the dimensions of an EX90, a Polestar 3, and a Lotus Electra. Electra, yeah. And the Electra is actually longer than the EX90 and the Polestar 3. And so they're going to go they're 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 not same same but they're same same. Yeah. So in China, I believe the Lotus Electra is going to be a high runner with women. Yeah, we we talked about this before, yep. Yeah, the family car and then the Polestar will be a bit more on the BMW type of buyer. So can they thread that needle in China, do you think? I don't know. Because <laughs> it, it just seems really weird for them to have these three brands that are all seemingly going to kind of sort of compete with one another in the premium midsize SUV segment. So I'm excited to see. I think the Lotus will do pretty well. It is going to really open up the brand to a new audience because 
when it was more of a niche brand, I think it was 99% males that were attracted to uh, the Lotus brand and Brits, a lot of Brits. So I I don't, yeah, it, Lee Shufu is, if, if, if he can thread that needle with those, that stable of brands, he could be, Geely could be the next true global automaker. Did did you see that Nori's new article on, on Volvo? I did not. I need to see it. It's on, on launching a MPV. Oh, yeah. No, no. I saw that. I saw that. Dedicated <laughs> to China or Asia. And then all of their next other models are, are EVs that are coming, right? I need to talk to my mole inside Geely, the one that you saw at CES, <laughs> to see. I want to understand what how how much of independent thought there is among all of these different brands, right? Now, let me ask you this, because I'm not clear. Is the Lotus Electra and the Polestar 3 going to be built at the same factory? Uh, no. Okay. The uh, Polestar is built, I believe, in um, Luqiao, in Zhejiang province, whereas Electra is in Wuhan, right? The Lotus Tech. Okay, yeah. Okay. Because I would imagine they would try to share parts, right? But Jidu supposedly is building in Wuhan as well. Yes. I knew that. So I don't you know, I don't know if there's any, you know, alignment on that, but depending on the factory, I don't know if they would actually be built on the same line. It could be a factory with two separate lines, but I I it wouldn't surprise me if Jidu Auto and the Lotus were built on the exact same line in Wuhan. And also Jidu and Lotus, their LIDARs are both supplied by Husai. Yes. That's a common thread as well. So, who knows? So our our good friend Frank Wu is designing everything that the customer sees in the Jidu Robo One to be different than the Lotus Electra. But the Geely is likely trying to commonize everything we don't see on the Jidu and the Electra. So those are the types of questions that I'm curious about. But. We'll probably not get them answered in the next few months. Hopefully later this year, we can find out a little bit more. So I, I forget all of that stuff that you you talked about in the very beginning. What else did, what else happened? Because there's a million things you said. All I did was <laughs> I just looked back at my tweets and my WeChat moments. Oh, okay. Just kind of get a summary <laughs> of what happened. Otherwise, it's been two weeks and there's too, too much happening. Uh, not only in China, but a lot of things here, right? Uh, as we know. So it reminded me, $650 million investment from General Motors for a mine, a lithium mine that borders Nevada and Oregon. I think that's huge, huge, huge. That's probably not going to come online for another five years. 2026. And yeah, okay, three years, four years. But, uh, and that's, I think, an ideal situation, right? Because there then needs to be refineries built. And so they might not actually have useful lithium for another few years coming out of that mine. And it still needs to be approved by the local governments because the conservationists are talking, it's going to destroy some sacred land or something like that. And then GM also is talking about moving into also cylindrical cells from pouch cells. So I I like it. Well, our good friend Alfred has has some warning for GM. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's not that easy, right? (laughs) I like uh, GM taking uh, initiative, exploring a lot of different options. I don't mind this. Well, I mean, yeah. 
at least from their earnings, they're all very positive on um, yes. the outlook. Are you hearing anything about Oliver Bluma's visit? Oliver Bluma, so if I think... They're posting on social about it, that's for sure. Yeah, they're posting social. This is much more of a gesture than anything else, I think. Okay. Uh, I don't think there was too much substance substance on the trip other than showing up and you know this is our largest market and we're gonna work with the local partners you know carriad right they they showed that picture of a of a gac aon <laughs> are they yeah. doing a teardown of a gac aon yeah and and visiting the local government officials joint venture partners i think he visited Chongchun, he visited shanghai uh, today he was in uh, anhui right hefei which mm. is their kind of an important hub for, for their next generation of EVs. Just just to show that, you know, China's open and we're the largest foreign automaker. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for, you know, there, he's there five, five, five days. And he'll be back in April, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and sure, they've had media roundtables, but, you know, what you're not going to get too much juice out of him. But it's good that, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I don't really have that. It's, you know, it's going to start off a, a what, Next, maybe Ola is going to be there. Oliver yeah. Zipsa is going to be there, right? You know, th- these are going to all follow. And come Auto Shanghai, you know, you bet all the CEOs are going to be there. So let me, uh, it's 4.46. We will open the room up to anyone with any questions. And if you allow me to go through a few of my newsletter points, there was a Bloomberg article that talked about how China EVs are invading the world. <laughs> I I couldn't help but yeah. like think of us like we we've been talking about that for a very very long time. So I, we don't need validation because we know we're right. But it's it's nice to see that attention is starting to be paid. Hopefully, that also means that we'll get some credit and we'll get some listeners tuning in more more and more now. Because I tell you what, Lay, we're probably going to be talking about China EV Inc. in Europe almost as much as we talk about China EV Inc. in China this year. So Yeah, definitely. What else? I thought that was pretty funny. And I was interviewed for a Grid News article talking about charging infrastructure. And Guangdong province currently has more charging stations than the entire United States. (laughs) <laughs> so that should give you an indication of how far ahead yeah. China is on install base for charging. Speaking of which, that Neo one-day record of 60,000 battery swaps, <laughs> <laughs> right, 1,313, so averaging 45 and change at each swap station in one day. <laughs> I think the more and more I learn about the U.S., situation like the more detailed i learn about the u.s situation like i can see swapping working here because people do drive a little bit farther and i know that 2023 is going to be a big year for charging infrastructure but you know these trucks that haul things and these trailers for camping and stuff are going up north with their boat you know what do you do because if if it has 300 mile range and you're hauling a 5000 pound payload you might get 150 180 miles out of that thing so you're stopping every 
two hours for 20, 30, 40 minutes. So that's going to make EV adoption painful for a lot of people. And it's going to turn a lot of people off. So the fast charging needs to be installed very quickly, but also, you know, what are some of these alternatives to to charging? I think the United States really needs to be open-minded about what other things can we do, right? And ultimately, man, trucks, do we need that many trucks, right? That's pretty antithema for where I live (laughs) because... (laughs) Because GM and Ford basically make most of their profits off of trucks and SUVs. I think where you live in terms of charging infrastructure is even worse than where I live. Yes. I mean, it's pretty abundant in, in a small town. But Yeah, well, the Northeast is is early adopter, right? So, yeah. And then uh, the city of San Francisco. I was reminded of our, our nice trip in Ants. And <laughs> what was the other? Strawberry. <laughs> So, uh, so they haven't restricted any further. They just don't want to expand. The city of San Francisco doesn't want Waymo or Cruise to expand because well, they were supposed to expand their area and also expand to daytime, right? So yes, so the city of San Francisco, because of traffic jams that have been caused by cruise vehicles, they are reconsidering uh, expanding, allowing. Waymo and Cruise to uh, expand those services. I think it's pretty funny. My engineering friends, my technical friends that said autonomous vehicles will definitely not hit the roads anytime soon. They all ping me. They're like, you see this? Yeah. You see this? Yeah. I'm not an, I'm not an AV advocate. I'm just trying to tell, tell it like it is. And I think they looked at our experience and were like, oh man, this guy, he, he's drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm like, no, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm just telling you my experience. And so <laughs> I'm not trying to be controversial, right? Yeah. So I think your tweet about too simple was too appropriate, <laughs> too complex. Yes. And you and I have heard even more rumors over the last 24 hours about what's going on. And I won't share them. I don't think we should. Yeah. But it's in Chinese, you would say fuzha, right? Or would, would you use another word for it? Yeah. Well, fuzha. Yeah. So it's complicated. It's complicated. I did warn. I, I, I talked to Tony Han, right? We write, right? SES. And I, I kind of hinted and asked him about possibly IPOing. And he said, oh, we'll think about it. And I actually told him. You know, you go watch too too simple and what they're going through, and then you think about it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but if I'm being frank, I think the 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 we ride stuff is a lot cleaner than the too simple stuff. So I, I'm not saying that 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 will influence we ride into IPOing in the U.S. I think it's just a hard sell for a Chinese AV company to be doing that in the U.S. Plus I right, but already. Yeah. It's happening. So, but that's lidar, right? Like lidar, yeah, yeah. So, a, a autonomous vehicle is like a completely different animal, and uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But that that Wall Street Journal article was 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 not great for <laughs> for the parties involved. Yeah. And the last thing that I'll bring up is Rivian's laying off six percent, so they are getting their cells prepared for a price war. But their current vehicles don't 
qualify for the price subsidies or the tax credits. So are they worried about the F-150 Lightning? Are they worried about the silver or the the GMC? Yeah, maybe, you know. So they have to be, and it's all it's it's gonna be all white collar. So all staff, not not at the factory. The last thing that I wanted to bring up was this year's mobility conference. It's going to be February 14th, 15th, and 16th. We decided, Paul, Craig, and I have decided to dial it down. <laughs> We've recruited Lay to help us. So on the 14th, we're going to be talking rare earth metals for panel discussions on that day, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. On the 15th, we'll be talking policy, China policy, EV policy, European EV policy, U.S. EV policy, and I'm going to do a special interview with one of the NGOs here, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, to talk about some of the things going on in the U.S. And then on the final day, we will be talking Chinese EVs, we'll be talking legacies and uh, Tesla. And um, the one thing that I'm pretty stoked about, Lay, is that I'll get a chance to talk to John McElroy and Joe White, Joe White from Reuters. So we will have a lot of details in the coming week. And so we hope that uh, you'll all join and and have a listen. So more details to come. But that's all I had today. And if anyone has any questions, please feel free to raise your hands. Yeah. And then the only other data I'll bring up is that CPCA had their early prediction of January. NEV sales, I think it was just under 400,000 units. So that gives you an idea from December high of what, roughly 800,000 units? Yeah, well, 800,000, I wanted to say, yep. yeah. Yeah, it'll come back, you know, other than that. Yeah. Maybe um, just a <clears throat> housekeeping, we will have several Max episodes coming up later this month. One is uh, Mr. Bao Jingwei, founder, co-founder and CEO of Innovusion, LiDAR company supplying Neil. We have Silvio Angori, the CEO of Pinoff Arena, and then Marco Kohlmeyer, the CEO of Holon. I talked I talked to all three and and I you know there's all some may not be specifically China related, but I, I asked all three of them, you know, obviously <laughs> China questions. You worked overtime at CES to get that done. Yeah, there's some interesting comments. So stay tuned for that. We'll be publishing those. And uh, we hope to publish Bao Junwei's uh, early next week. Next week, yeah. yeah, it's it's finalized. So, yeah, he had some great comments, shocking comments, in fact. Yes, he did. <laughs> On he's young guy, he's a young guy too. No, so. he's well, he's young. On the picture, he looks young. Yeah, pictures looks young. <laughs> he's not that young. <laughs> okay, because. I don't carry I don't carry that Asian youth very well. You guys yeah, do so because yeah. you know you still have that full head of hair. Mine's like half gone. Somehow, Innovis Innovis used my photo on there. <laughs> I saw <laughs> that. That's that was so awesome. I was like, "What the heck?" Awesome. Uh, it looks like I'm a, I'm a customer or something. <laughs> Holding up a <laughs> Hopefully, they give you like a free T-shirt or something. For using I, your IP. <laughs> I got this nice hologram uh, uh, postcard. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So, all right, man. So, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we were back in business. It was, 
It was a real, little weird last week, not not having my Thursday afternoon. Yeah, film, we're going to so. start a new stretch of, what, 50 weeks straight of every yes. Thursday, man. Yes. Try it every Thursday, right? T- try it, yeah. Not, might not be at the exact same time, but... <laughs> yeah, next week we'll try to be back at 3 p.m., so apologies yeah. for changing times the last minute, but... Yeah, I think we covered everything. Yeah, so thanks for joining us, everyone. Happy or good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. We will talk with you all next week. Likewise, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at SinoAutoInsight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lay on Twitter at Lei Xing 77. That's L E I X I N G 77. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.